Thanks for coming this morning. Uh, thanks for uh, worshiping with us this morning. Um, as Tamise mentioned in her prayer, over the last uh, couple of months, we have been in the book of Exodus. We have been looking at the story of God, God's people, God bringing his people out of Egypt, out of slavery. And we started the year, um, the month of January, working through a spiritual practice. And one of the things we've been talking about is that this year we are going to be working through the book of Exodus, and periodically we're going to sprinkle in some mini-series that deal with a spiritual practice. Uh, at Soma Church, we are focusing, we are, we are honing our energies and our efforts and our learning on what we call spiritual formation. The process of God transforming us into disciples, followers, if you like the word, apprentices of Jesus Christ. And so this morning, we are going to begin a four-week mini-series. We're, we're going to uh, step out of the book of Exodus for, for a moment, leading up to the Easter holiday, and we are going to be in a mini-series, a four-week mini-series, where we are going to look at the spiritual practice of prayer, of prayer. Would you pray with me again as we begin this teaching, just to ask God to bless this time? Lord, we, we give this scripture back to you this morning. And we pray that as it is read, we pray that as we think and we meditate on this, we take it in, that you would use it to transform us, that it would not just be more information, but that it would be your life-giving word to us this morning. And we pray just in conjunction with your spirit um, that we would grow and that this would give us a new perspective and a new mind um, as you teach us, as your disciples as your disciples asked you, Lord, teach us to pray. Uh, and I do pray and I ask this morning that you would do that during this time. In Jesus' name, amen. So spiritual formation, the process of becoming followers of Jesus. And this may be a new idea for many of us who may have grown up in kind of your run-of-the-mill evangelical church where we talked about prayer. We talked about reading the scriptures. We talked about, you know, maybe taking a Sabbath, maybe fasting even. But maybe you heard something like this, or you came to learn what it meant to follow Jesus in this way, that God, that Jesus should be the most important part of your life. That God should be the most important part of your life. But when we look at the scriptures, that's not entirely true. Because God is not to be a part of our lives, just like Work is a part of our lives, and our family is a part of our lives, and you know what we do for fun and relaxation is a part of our lives. When we look at what it means to follow Jesus, there is no part. It's the whole. Following Jesus is all of our lives. It involves all of who we are in our whole person, our, our thoughts, our feelings, our choices. The fact that we live in a physical body, that we are a body, that we have relationships with other people, all of that 
comes underneath being a disciple of Jesus. All of that is influenced and determined by being a follower of Jesus. And that's what we mean by spiritual formation, that this process never stops, that it's not a program that we graduate from. It's not some kind of a curriculum of being Jesus' disciple that we master at some point in our lives. This is a process, and it's a process in which God's Spirit partners with our practice to help transform us into the men and women that he wants us to be, that he's created us to be. And so as we talk about these spiritual practices within this idea of spiritual formation. We're not talking about these things as isolated practices that we do here or there or just in certain times or in certain places, but that it involves all of who we are, our entire life, our entire being, our entire context in every relationship that we are a part of. In our house, we've been talking a lot about language recently for a couple of different reasons. Our older kids are in school, and so they're continuing to, to learn and to add to their vocabulary. Our youngest, Annie, um, she speaks loud and proud, uh, and a lot of times we don't understand what she's th- saying because she's still forming and, and learning how to, to form words and how to talk and, and what those things look like. Um, Jody just recently started working for a company that uh, teaches English uh, to kids overseas, and so she's been learning a lot about language acquisition and what that means, and so just yeah, speaking and words and language is just part of, of our lives right now in a very real way, in a very practical and experiential way. Um, I was reading this week and doing some, some study on this, um, and, and one of the things that I read is that we are born with the capacity for about 40 sounds, So, and we know that, right? For those of us who have been around babies, lots of different sounds, lots of different noises that are coming from uh, our our babies and our our young, our our infants. And that as we grow, the brain begins to make associations between these sounds and ideas, actions, different objects. Um, Some of you know what it takes to learn a second language. You've learned a second language as adults, and you know how difficult that is and the amount of work that's put in. But I would venture to say that none of us remember how we originally learned language, right? It's just second nature to us. We don't have memories of beginning to talk. And the process of that. Sure, like we remember maybe early grade school, like learning different words and and adding to our vocabulary. But that initial learning how to talk is something that happens so early on in our lives that it just seems like second nature. It's like we've always been talking. We've always been speaking uh, with one another. And then it almost is like, did we learn this? Because it seems so natural. But we did learn. It was a process that language acquisition isn't passive. It's not something that we just stumble upon. We learn to speak because other people spoke to us first. We learn how to talk. We learn our language by listening 
to others speak to us. Adults help children learn language by speaking to them. And so as we begin to talk about prayer, I want to give you a small, a very short definition of prayer. Prayer is simply conversing with God. Prayer is conversing with God. And in the same way that we as human beings learn how to speak and learn our language, we can make that same connection when we talk about speaking and conversing with our God. And so as we spend our time this morning, I want to zoom out and I want to look at what prayer is. How should we think about prayer? I'm excited about this series because we're going to dive into some practicals. Uh, Brother Tony next week is going to teach us about uh, intercessory prayer. What does it mean for us to pray for each other? The following week, we're going to talk about uh, how prayer can be sung and the fact that like when we show up here on Sunday morning and we sing these songs, that we are praying to God, that we are communicating to God through song. And then our fourth Sunday, Pastor Nate is actually going to lead us in a time of prayer during this gathering, that we are going to have time to pray, to pray for our city, to pray for each other, to pray for this church. We are going to pray together. But I want to start this morning by zooming out and helping us think rightly about prayer. How should we think about prayer? What should our perspective be? What has God told us about prayer? And there's a few things that we need to understand and to acknowledge before we get into some of the practicals. And the first thing is this. This will not come as any surprise because we talk about this all the time. We begin with prayer by acknowledging that God is one. That God is one. In Matthew chapter 28, at the end of the chapter, some of you are familiar with the, the verses that, that we call the Great Commission. The Great Commission. Jesus commissioning his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. What's interesting about that is that Jesus does not say, baptize them in the names of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And this is important because Jesus is referring to God having one name, a singular name, that God, Father, Son, and Spirit share one divine nature, one being that the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are equally divine. They know and they love each other. And what they do, they do together. That God exists in perfect relationship with himself, giving glory to one another and enjoying one another. That God is filled with the joy of being in a dynamic, loving, personal relationship with himself. I have no idea how to understand that. I don't know what that means. That's the mystery of God. That's why God is so much bigger than our understanding. But that's what the scriptures tell us is true. And that's important to know that God himself is in a perfect relationship with himself. 
Because God didn't create us because he needed anything from us. God didn't create us because something in his relationship with himself was missing. God did not create us because we provided something to God that he was looking for. God is one. God is perfect in his relationship. God is, experiences joy and love and happiness in his relationship with himself. And God created us so that he could share that love and that relationship that he has with himself with us. God wants us to share in that relationship. And that is important, and that is where we have to start when we talk about prayer, because prayer is the way that we enter into the joy of God's relationship with himself. So number one, God is one. The second thing that we need to know is that this one God is a speaking God. This one God is a speaking God. God exists as one. God acts as one. Scripture reveals, if you, all the way through Scripture, you will see over and over again that God speaking and God acting are the same thing. God speaking and God acting are the same thing. And a great example of this is Isaiah chapter 55, verses 10 and 11. Hear hear these words. This is God. As the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. God speaking is God acting. To say that God's word goes out and does something is to say that God himself goes out and does something. But God not only speaks in creative power. God speaks because language is intrinsic to personal relationships. And there's no greater example of this than John chapter 17. Jesus' prayer to his Father on the eve of his death, alone with his Father. And listen to the words that Jesus prays. He's praying about his disciples to his Father. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you, for I have given them the words that you gave me. And they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. God is one. And God created us to share in the love and the joy of that oneness. And God shares his perfect relationship with us by speaking to us. Prayer isn't just sharing ideas with God. Prayer is being known and knowing God. Prayer is knowing God and being known by God. God is one. And this one God is a speaking God. And then the last thing before we move on, God's words 
the words that God speaks are the first words. They're the primary words. We talked about this a few weeks ago, that God has spoken to us. God has spoken to us in creation, that what we experience, our senses in this world, tell us something about God. Romans 1 tells us that, that we can know something about God. We can know that his divine power when we look around and we experience life in this world. The scriptures, God's word written down, given to us, tell us about God. We read, we listen, we think, we meditate on what God has told us about ourselves, about himself, about how to make sense of the world around us. And finally, and most importantly, and most comprehensively, God has spoken to us through Jesus Christ. Remember in John 1, when, Jesus, when John calls Jesus the Word, the Word, that's significant because John is telling us that in Jesus, God has said something. God has communicated to us in Jesus because Jesus shows us the glory of God in a way that we can understand it, in a personal way. We cannot see God. No person can see God. That's what Jesus told his disciples. They said, show us the Father. And Jesus said, I have. I'm here. I'm right here. Everything that you need to know about God, you have right here in me. In John chapter 1, verse 14, John writes, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus Christ is the personal communication of God to us. Prayer is communicating with God. And that communication with God is only possible because God has first spoken to us. And that's the correlation between our human language acquisition. Because if you think about it, all speech is answering speech. Because we don't know how to talk unless someone first talked to us. All of our speech is in response to the fact that someone has first spoken to us. And the same is true in our relationship with God. The only way we know who to talk to, the only way we know how to talk, is because God has first spoken to us. God talked to us. He has communicated to us. And our prayer, our prayer is a response to the knowledge that God has given us about himself. It's not a monologue. Our prayers are not a monologue. Prayer is a dialogue, and God is the initiator. Eugene Peterson, if you're familiar with him, author, pastor, writer of the message, he terms this the previousness of God's speech. That God, we live in the context of God having spoken first. Something's already been said to us. And so our words are never first because we are never first. God's words are primary 
because he is always and has been and will be primary. And I think that this is important because this is why it's so hard for us to pray. This is why it's so hard for us to pray. Because we are way more self-conscious than we are God-conscious. We are way more self-conscious than we are God-conscious. We often think it's up to us to get, into the fir- get in the first word, right? That we have to initiate, that we have to begin. This is why prayer can turn into some kind of a self-discovery technique. Because it becomes all about us. That prayer becomes about me getting to know myself. That prayer is about me realizing really who I am. Prayer can become some kind of a a meeting of emotional needs. That I feel down. That I feel alone. That I feel lonely. I feel sad. I'm kind of depressed. I feel isolated. And so I pray to meet those needs that I have. Sometimes prayer gets into just some weird kind of experience of trying to find inner peace. If I can just center myself, if I can just find who I am and find that peace that's there inside of me. Because so often we begin with ourselves. We begin with ourselves instead of beginning with God. Our experiences and our emotions are obviously important. They are real. They are part of who we are. And they can and they should provoke us to pray and to talk with God. But they don't define what prayer is. They don't define prayer. Prayer is anchored in the reality that God has already spoken to us. That God has given us words. That God has given us knowledge about himself. That God has given us knowledge about who we are. That God has given us knowledge about the world around us. And so often we get discouraged in prayer because we don't see our prayers, quote unquote, accomplishing anything. And sometimes we shy away from praying because we can't think of anything to pray. Because we've made prayer about us. We've made prayer and we've made ourselves the starting point in prayer. This is why prayer isn't just a discipline to be practiced in the abstract. It's not just something that we do in isolation from the rest of our lives. Prayer is a whole life orientation to God. Prayer is an entire life, all of who we are oriented to God. Prayer is both the practice of conversing with God and the context of our relationship to God. And that's where I want to land us this morning. If you would turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I want to flesh this out a little bit more. Thank you. It's on page 574 if you're using one of the Bibles around you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. These verses come at the end of this letter that Paul writes to the Thessalonians. And oftentimes, these can be kind of throwaway verses. When we read these letters, these come at the end. Paul's got a lot of different names here. He's 
you know, greeting people. He's giving some instructions. And we can just kind of gloss over these things. But listen to these words. Read these words here. Chapter 5, starting in verse 16. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Pray without ceasing. Well, surely that doesn't mean that we are supposed to be in a continual state of prayer 24-7, right? It doesn't mean that we should be in some prayer meeting all the time. We're talking to God every moment of every day. So what does it mean? When we understand that God has spoken to us and is speaking to us, that means that we are living our lives, our entire lives, in response to that word. When God has spoken to us through creation, through his word, through Jesus Christ, those words that are spoken to us, when we understand that, we also understand that our entire lives, not just when we bow our heads, not just when we're here on Sunday morning, not just when we're in small groups, but our entire life is lived in response to the knowledge that God has already given us, the words that he has spoken to us. All analogies break down, and this may be a poor one, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. I was thinking about my relationship with Jody, my wife, and when we talk, we're not talking in the abstract, right? We're not talking in, uh, in a vacuum, the conversations that we're having. We know each other. And the conversation and the speech that we share with one another happens within the context of our relationship. We are living our lives in orientation to each other. We know each other. We know our lives. We know who we are. We know who the other is. And our speech is happening within that relational context. When we converse with each other, we're talking within the context of what's already known and what's already been said. God has come before me. God has made himself known to me. God knows me. So when I pray, I'm not starting the conversation with God. When I pray, I'm not doing it in some abstract way. I'm not doing it in isolation. I'm not doing it in some quote-unquote spiritual vacuum. When I pray, I'm joining in the conversation that God's already started. When I work, I'm joining in the work that God has already started. Prayer enables us to integrate our lives with God's life. To integrate our reality into God's reality. I heard this one time. It may be helpful. It may not be. 
someone commented on this verse, pray without ceasing, like you have two cell phones. And one, you have God up, and he's on the line all day, every day. And we're occasionally taking calls on the other. That we live with a connection to God, an awareness to God, an orientation to God. We are conscious of the fact that God's presence is with us and in us every moment of every day. That doesn't stop at any time. We're just living all of the rest of our lives, our work, our relationships, our marriage, our kids, Our good times, our bad times, our times of joy, our times of pain, the grief and sorrow and the happiness and the celebration, all of those things are happening in the context of God's presence in us and with us. And that's why I think those two phrases before and after pray without ceasing make sense. Because praying without ceasing ties them both together. Rejoice always. Give thanks in all circumstances. These aren't just three separate things that Paul is telling us to do. They are connected together. A praying life is a God-conscious life. An awareness of the relational context in which all our events and all of our activities take place. To know and to experience the joy of our relationship with God, the joy that He has created us to share with Him, prayer allows us to experience that relational context that relational connection, the joy and the happiness that God has in his relationship with himself and gives us the opportunity to live each and every day in that reality. Even when things are hard, even when we don't feel joy, even when we would prefer not to give thanks, even when life is rough, even when we're ready to punt the whole thing, We can know the joy of being in a relationship with Almighty God through conversing with Him. And we can live in those moments, not isolated, but in connection to who God is and to His reality. So how can this God-conscious life, this praying without ceasing life, be true of us. That's what I want to leave you with this morning. How can this kind of life be true of us? Well, first, we have to slow down. And we have to make room for God. We have to slow down and arrange our lives around God. We're too busy to pray. It's too noisy to pray. It requires too much patience to pray. I mean, let's be honest. Why pray when we can just spend some more money to get what we really want? Why pray when we can just read another book that helps us get through a situation? Why pray when we can just listen to a podcast that helps us make sense 
of the world around us? Why pray when we can just take another class to equip us for what we need help doing? The questions that we need to ask ourselves are these. When do you make space to be with God? Parents, does your family's schedule acknowledge God's presence? How are you aware of your work joining in the work that God has already started? If we believe that God has spoken to us and that all of our life is lived in a response to what God has already said, when are we making space to listen? When are we making space to know the word that God has spoken to us? We talked about this a few months ago during our Sabbath series talked about reclaiming the quiet time. Do you have space during your day, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, where you spend time with God, away from other people, away from noise, where you can read the scriptures, you can pray to God, you can think about what the scriptures are saying to you. You can communicate what's on your heart to God. Minute retreats during the day. When you're driving to work, stop to the stoplight. When you're standing in the line at the store. When you're in the shower. Just taking that pause to acknowledge, God, you're here. You're present. What I'm doing right now is not outside the scope of my relationship with you. We need to slow ourselves down and arrange our lives around who God is and the word that he's spoken to us. Prayer doesn't give us a less busy life. Prayer allows us to have a less busy heart. Secondly, we need to learn to answer God by knowing what he said to us. We need to learn to answer God by knowing his words to us. The Bible teaches us to pray. It gives us the words to say in prayer. It forces us to start with God instead of ourselves. Apart from knowing God's words, our prayers are just shallow. Our prayers are untethered from reality. We can find ourselves praying to a God that we have created for a life that is different than what he has created for us. We need the scriptures. We need to read it. We need to think about it. We need to pray it. There's no better place than the Psalms, a collection of songs, a collection of prayers, celebration. Sadness, thanksgiving, grief, anger, all of these things that it means to be human. All of these emotions and experiences that we feel as human beings, they're right here. 
And there are prayers that have been prayed for us to read and to listen, to know how to pray, to know how to converse with God in the midst of our life. We need to slow down. We need to arrange our lives around God. We need to learn to answer God by knowing his words. Thirdly, we need to open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit. This happens when we slow down, when we internalize God's words, when we confess our sin, when we arrange our lives around God. This happens when we humbly acknowledge day after day that we need Jesus, that we need his power, that we need his presence, that we cannot live as God has created us to live apart from his power and his presence. This is what Jesus talked about in John 15. This is what it means to abide, to live with Jesus, that we are connected to him day in and day out for our life. And that looks different day in and day out. That looks different because of the demands and the responsibilities and the realities of our lives But we need to ask, does this activity, does this pursuit, does this expense, does this fill in the blank, open my life up to God's Spirit, or does it close me off? Does it open me up to knowing more of God and to knowing His transformative power in my life, Or does it move me further and further away into my own self-sufficiency? Into isolation from other people? Today, how is God involved in my marriage? How is God involved in my parenting? How is God involved in my work? How is God involved in my rest How is God involved in my spending? How is God involved in the plans that I'm making? God's spirit isn't some mystical, magical, impersonal force. He is God's presence. God's presence in us and with us in everything we are and everything that we do. Are we making efforts in our lives to open ourselves up, to experience his presence, and to know him more? We need to slow down and arrange our lives around God. We need to learn to answer God by knowing his words. We need to open ourselves up to the Spirit. And lastly, we just need to pray. We pray. We pray. We learn to converse with God. By doing it, by doing it, both individually and together. And that's why I'm excited about this series that we're moving through because it's not just coming here and listening to teaching, but we're going to be praying together in our missional community groups, in our discipleship groups. We're going to learn and we're going to practice this together. We're going to learn how to pray for one another. We're going to learn what it means to Pray in a contemplative way, to look back over our days and our weeks, to have the eyes to see 
Where was God? What was he doing? Where did I experience his power and his presence in a way to become more God conscious than what we normally are? We're going to learn how to pray the scriptures together. What does it look like for me to sit down and open up the scripture, to read it, to think about it, to meditate it, to pray it as God's word given to us that we respond to? If you go on our website, somaenvy.com, you'll find a tab up at the top right-hand corner that says series. This is where we have all of our, our teaching series that we go through each year. And if you click on that tab, you will find the spiritual formation and prayer series. We have a number of different resources there. We have podcast interviews uh, that we're producing and, and, and putting up on the website um, and in our podcast on iTunes, we've got blog posts that are being written. Deb Dunlevy wrote one this past week. Just resources that help us think rightly about prayer and give us some pointers, give us some tips, give us some helps as we think about living our lives in orientation to God. I want to say this, because sometimes, and I want to close with this, when we talk about these practices, it just can seem like, well, here's just another thing I got to do. Here's just another thing that you're heaping on me. I already feel like I'm failing. I already feel like I can't get it together. And here's just another way. I mean, does anybody in here feel like they're killing it in their prayer life? Probably not. That's like the one thing. <laughs> I mean, I've been in churches and ministries around Christians for much of my life. I feel like prayer is the one thing that we can all agree on. I'm just, I'm not, I could do better. But we need to stop thinking about it in that way. That it is a practice to be engaged with. But it's more than that. It's a relationship with God, with our Father, to be experienced. And it's a relationship that comes to us, that is given to us through the grace of Jesus Christ. The grace of God given to us in the person of Jesus. Who prayed to his Father perfectly. Who was in relationship with his Father perfectly. Who obeyed his Father perfectly. So that when we don't, he stands before his Father, and he advocates for us. God in Jesus Christ has given us a relationship with himself. It is not something we earn. It's not something that we deserve. But it's because of his love, his deep love for us, and a desire for us to know and to experience the joy and the love that he has with himself, to share in that with him. And so I want to invite you this morning, if you are a Christian, to come, to take a piece of bread, to dip it in the juice, as a symbol of that relationship, that you would come confidently this morning and say, I know that I have a relationship with God, and I know that everything in my life happens within the context of that relationship, a relationship in which I am deeply, deeply 
loved. If you're not a Christian this morning, if you're struggling to believe that, we would love to talk with you. I'd love to talk with you after. My wife Jody would love to as well. God has given us himself. God has said, I want you to know me. It is an invitation for us this morning. And prayer enables us to continue to know God and to be known by him. Father, we thank you for your gift to us this morning. We thank you that it's not on us. It's not up to us to initiate this relationship with you. It's not up to us to figure out what to say and when to say it, what to know and how to know it. Because you've initiated, because you've spoken to us first. Thank you for the love and the grace that is in that. And I do pray for us as a community of Christ followers that we would be people of prayer, that we would be people whose lives are oriented to you. Not just when we come to church on Sunday or when we're at MC or when we have our Bible open, but that all of our lives, the entirety of who we are, would be a response to your word to us. And I pray for us that as we grow in this grace and as we become men and women in a community of praying people, of God-conscious people, that our community out there would take notice, that you would change our lives and the way that we work and the way that we live, the way that we're in relationship with other people because we are being known by you and growing in our knowledge of you. And we pray this this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.